Amen. All right, I came up here without my Bible and everything. It's all right. Let me try this. Would you grab me a NIV when you get in? All right. I'm going to try to use this mic. If you can hear me, can it, does it seem like it's coming through here at all? Zero? A little bit? Does it need more? All right, cool. Well, I want, I have a question for you. I want you to tell me it, and I really want you to answer. You might have to think about it for a minute. The extroverts can go first. You're ready with an answer. Introverts take some time, process, but I still want you to share. Tell me about a time when you were made to feel at home while you were away from home. As soon as you got it. When you were made to feel at home even while you were away at home. Mike. So when I went to the Air Force Academy, we were from Jersey. I ended up in Colorado Springs, and I was sort of all on my uh, own for the first time in my life at 18, and, uh, you know, with really no plan on ever going back. So it was like a big, you know, wow, this is real. And uh, I had a, a, a sponsor at the Academy who just opened her house up to uh, cadets and uh, allowed us to come and crash and stay up late and sleep in late and eat her food and just hang out at her house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it just felt like a, a home away from home. Awesome. Anyone else got a story of feeling at home away from home? Big brother. Good job, man. Who else has got a story of being made to feel at home? Go ahead. I think with me it was in Hawaii when we found out John was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And our church family just, I mean, we'd been there for a while, but it was just a feeling of a family when I've been there. And I, I think we felt the same here. I speak for us, but definitely we feel the same here where mm. it is a family. And I loved what Malik said that it's. A logical thing. <laughs> I just absolutely love that. Awesome. It's just amazing how, you know, you could go anywhere and go into a church and just, and you could feel the thing love. Good. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, Malik's got a good way of words. He also, and I'm stealing this from him, I'm going to put it on a t-shirt and take credit for it. He says he's here to put the neighbor back in the hood. Neighborhood? Put the neighbor back in the hood. That's what he said. So that's pretty good. So I got, um, as I was thinking through that question, I thought of a time where I was in Morocco, and actually, can you recognize any of these people? There's me, younger with a weird hair, Randall, Daniel Lachey, which is actually Juliet's Lachey's brother, and then we've got Mohammed there in the middle. We were in Morocco, and we went trekking um, into the Atlas Mountains, and we were crazy. I can't believe parents let me do this, but I took a bunch of... Uh, older youth kids uh, to to trek and basically just go into remote villages and uh, be invited in, depend on the hospitality of people in those villages. So we would go in and uh, people would meet us and greet us and um, people would invite us to stay with them. And the whole idea was to explore and to learn about uh, Moroccan culture, to hear and exchange stories 
as to uh, we, the question we would ask is, what stories do you tell your children to, you know, to teach you values or cultural um, uh, things that are culturally important to you? And they would share a story, and then we would uh, share stories, uh, scriptural stories that we have told our children and have been told as children. So this guy, Mohammed, right there, we were in this village, and it was getting late, and we had tents and things, but... Um, you know, you're pretty vulnerable. We felt vulnerable. We were in this place, and uh, he invited us to come into his home. Didn't know us. And look how huge we are. <laughs> uh, didn't know us. And I remember he invited us in and gave us what he had, which was bread and oil and some peanuts. And we ate his food, and we shared stories. And he had Rambo, the movie Rambo, going on in the background. And so uh, with Arabic subtitles. And we were sharing with him, and we slept uh, on his floor. And he slept with us on the floor. And I remember thinking, because I, I wasn't sleeping very well, and I got up and rummaged through my bag, and he kind of looked up at me, uh, kind of woke up. And I'm like, man, like, what is this guy thinking? Like, if I invited four strangers into my home, four men, I would be like not sleeping and I would be very scared and I wouldn't have probably invited them in at, at that season in my life at all. But this, this man invited us into his home, uh, gave of his food, uh, took great risk to have us in his home and uh, slept while doing it. And so that always impacted me. He made me feel at home in a strange place, in a foreign land, in a strange culture, in a strange home. And uh, they... they he treated me as, as family. So I want to talk about hospitality. And this is really uh, about homemaking, placemaking, uh, welcoming. This is a core practice of the church. At least it has been throughout the centuries. It is something the church was known for in the um, early church they were known for radical hospitality and welcome and making space, safe space for people. Here is an example of that in an early letter, Hebrews, to the church, starting in chapter 12. And you can look this up in your Bibles or you can just read it on the screen here. But therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. This is an amazing passage, and I just want to highlight a couple things real quick, and then we're going to focus on verse 2. But first, look at this. There's three parts, there's three exhortations to this passage. First, it, it calls us to worship God. So orient yourself upward, orient yourself toward God. Worship Him in awe and in reverence. This is a core practice of the people of God, that we're going to worship 
God with our life. Now, worship doesn't just mean singing. It means orienting your whole life, your lifestyle around who God is, His way, His words, His works. We want to model our lives after Jesus, and that is what it means to worship God. But then he calls us in verse 1 of 13 to love one another. So we have that inward dimension, to love the brothers and sisters of, of Christ, those who are part of the family of God, that we are called to love one another, to support one another, to encourage one another, and to care for one another, to be logical family. I'm stealing from Malik already. Man. <laughs> to be logical family, even though we're not biological family, we are going to be logical family. We're going to wrap our arms around one another. We're going to protect one another. We're going to serve one another and welcome one another. And then there's an outward dimension to the Christian life, right? That we're going to show hospitality to who? Even strangers. Now, this is interesting and challenging. When we think about hospitality in our culture, what do we think of? If you Google hospitality, you get some interesting results, because I tried it, because I was looking for some good pictures. And you get hotels, and you get maitre d's, and you get waiters and waitresses, you get flight attendants. These are, this is a hospitality industry. Now, if you type in Christian hospitality to Google, you get tables and meals and homes, which I thought is interesting. Typically, when we think about hospitality, though, we think of entertaining. We think of inviting people over for dinner and having a fun time and entertaining someone. And typically, that person would be a friend, a family member. Uh, we think of Thanksgiving maybe or Christmas dinner and we have people over, everyone, mostly our family and then some that we just have a good relationship with and we invite them into our home. But the challenging thing about hospitality, biblical hospitality, the word hospitality, translated hospitality here, is that it literally means love for stranger or foreigner. And if you go deeper into the lexicon there. Stranger can even take on the form of enemy. So hospitality is actually love for the stranger, for the one you don't know, for the one you're not necessarily comfortable with, for the one that maybe even be enemy. I think of my friend Mohammed, right, who, who invited me in as a stranger for strangers invited me in, who maybe even not knowing us, we might be perceived as enemy as well, right? Because of the socio-political climate. And he invites us into his home. This man models hospitality for us. So this is challenging, very challenging. Now, when you preach or teach, it, it is... Ryan out there? Your, your van door is open. Is, it, is Ryan out there already? Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm going to make sure Ryan's getting in the van, not someone else. Sorry. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, when you preach or teach on something, sometimes God gives you opportunities to actually live it out. Now, I've debated whether to share this, but I'm going to. So, But here's the deal. Last night, I am, I am wrestling with this. Philozenia, right? Have you heard of xenophobia? Yeah, that word's put out around. That's fear of stranger. 
Xenophobia is fear of stranger. The Christian way is love of stranger, not fear of stranger. And uh, so I'm wrestling with this. Okay, so we want to be a community of welcome. We want to be a community of hospitality. As you saw, I'll go back to this quote. Wherever, whenever, however the kingdom of God manifests itself, it is welcome. If you think about the character of God, I'm going to get to my story in a minute. But this idea of hospitality, this welcoming of stranger, is rooted in the nature and the character of God himself. Let's go with nature, the nature of God. The God, we believe, is one God in three persons, eternally existing. Now, this gets way beyond our brain's ability to comprehend. But eternally existing in three persons, in perfect, loving, self-giving, self-sacrificing relationship with God's self. God loves God's self, and he is fully and completely dependent, self-dependent, self-sufficient. He did not need, God did not need to create the world because he was lonely. He lived in perfect unity and loving relationship with God's self. Creation of the world is an expression of his love. It is a desire to share, to have others share in this fellowship that God shares with God's self. You can see that in John, First uh, John 1. He says, uh, John says, We write to you so that you may know the fellowship that we have in the fellowship of God. Jesse translation. That God is fellowship and that our community and our family together is merely an expression and an overflow of God's nature. The mere fact that we exist is because God's nature is a welcoming nature. It's a nature designed to share relationship and life. So our design is to share life with God, to walk in the garden with God, to walk with God. And we, that walk, that relationship has been broken. And God has been on mission ever since to reunite and to reconcile that family dynamic, that shared life with God in the shared life of God. So, that's the nature of God. The character of God is seen in Christ, the extent to which he would go to welcome the stranger and even the enemy, right? He did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, held on to, but instead emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the lengths and the great cost he went to show hospitality and welcome to us. It is all throughout Scripture, his pursuit of us. So God is a hospitable God. God is a welcoming God. And Jesus demonstrates this all throughout his ministry, right? He subverts the cultural uh, values and the cultural status quo by who he eats with. He eats with tax collectors and sinners and Gentiles and prostitutes and he shares table with them and he welcomes them and he's criticized for it. And so the nature and the character of God is our basis for hospitality, for welcome. And this idea of welcoming the stranger though is challenging because I am fine with inviting you all to my house. It gets a little tricky when it's someone you don't know, someone you haven't built a trust with, someone that maybe seems threatening for whatever reason, or just is different. 
That's the challenge. And I'm struggling with this. I'm looking at, okay, it's not, just, it's not just like having a nice dinner with friends, creating a nice ambiance, right? Getting the crystal out, getting nice napkins out, and just creating nice space for people to enjoy a fun board game together. This is stranger love, not stranger things. Stranger love. This is love of stranger, of enemy, of that which looks to be threatening. And you are, hospitality is saying, come, I welcome you into my life into my space. Come experience safety and welcome here. So I'm wrestling with this. And then there's an opportunity. Um, last night, uh, we, uh, we've been in contact with this family who's, who's living uh, in their car and we um, have been helping them out as a church. And I just had this conviction that we should invite them to dinner, like with open tables, open doors, open hands. And then, of course, as a, as a, as a father and as a husband, and you start thinking and, and, and wrestling with this. But we, we gave invitation, and they, they came. And, and then I told Joanna this, though, before. I said, I'm, I, I believe we should invite them to dinner. She's like, that's great. And I said, I think the, the next step after that is like, I don't see myself like sending them back into their car. And so she said, okay. I've learned to discern um, the voice of God through my wife because I, sometimes she'll be like, you're crazy, you're dumb, you're stupid, stop it, don't say anything, you know, she'll just back up. And okay, okay. But sometimes she just has that resolve. And, and, and so I really trust her discernment. And so we went to Walmart. And we got an air mattress because we don't have a guest bed. And we were getting prepared for this to invite them in. So I had them over to dinner. It was this great dinner. We both felt peace to then extend the invitation. And, and they actually didn't accept. I think it was probably too much for them. Because you've got to think about this. It's a little weird to spend the night at some, a stranger's house as well, right? So we... As self-centered individuals, we usually are thinking from our perspective, like, this is great risk to me. This is great discomfort for me. But they might be thinking the same thing, right? Weirdos inviting me to sleep in your house. I don't know you. But it was this wonderful time that we got to eat. Um, They needed, they they said, when they responded, they said, hey, we, um, we would like to, but we smell. It's like, would you like to take a shower? Like, take a shower. And they came and showered, and we did a load of laundry for them, and we we just ate at the table. And we extended an invitation to stay with us. So this, I believe, is with discernment and with prayer and with attentiveness to the voice of God and His call in our life, this is the direction that we are called to be as the people of God to create space and welcome. You could define hospitality as uh, invite, creating safe space for people otherwise not welcome. Creating a safe space for people that are otherwise often not welcome. Filioxenia, love for foreigners and strangers. So what is, let's define these words here. Who is the stranger? Biblically speaking, who is the stranger? The prophets in Amos and Isaiah, Micah, 
uh, the, the old, many portions of the Hebrew Scriptures define um, the stranger, the one to whom ex- hospitality should be extended, to the poor, the widow, the orphan, stranger or immigrant, imprisoned and the sick. You see Jesus walk into Nazareth, right? One of my favorite passages, he walks in and he, he grabs the scroll from Isaiah, Isaiah 61, and he reads it. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind, and to proclaim release to the captives. And he says, he puts the scroll down, he says, today in your hearing, this prophecy has been fulfilled. And it was, it's through me. So the stranger is this. And then in Matthew 25, Jesus defines each of these as himself. Whatever you did to the least of these, you did to me. Whoever you visited in prison, whoever you visited in the hospital, whoever you welcomed in and gave a drink of water, you've done it to me. We're welcoming Jesus when we do this. What does it mean to welcome? The, the tradition in um, the ancient Near East had four movements. So this is kind of what uh, he, the author of Hebrews would be thinking of. It says, show hospitality to the stranger. We just define stranger. Here's the four movements of welcome. Greeting. That makes it simple. Now this isn't just, hey, how's it going? Greeting is an active, not a passive act. It's like going to the prison. It's like going to the hospital and visiting somebody. It's like looking out your window and seeing someone who may be in need and going out to them, meeting them. It's seeing the person, the, you know, the mom who's struggling with 18 kids in, in Walmart line and like taking active steps towards that person. It's not passive. It's not waiting for someone to come to you. It's going to them. Also, practically, you invite someone to your home. It's greeting them at your door. It's like coming to them and inviting them in. I think a good rule of thumb might even be like step outside with the person or, or come to the door and invite them in, accompany them in. It's, it's this active greeting. Then the second movement is restoring it's meeting the needs. So in the, in the ancient Near East, you've got travelers often. This is why hospitality is so important in the ancient Near East. You have travelers, and they, they're just not like a Motel 6, okay? You, you go, and you're, you're weary, you're tired, you've got blisters on your feet, you're dirty, you're hungry, and you need a place to stay. And so you're going to meet their needs, whatever that need of that, that person is. Then there's dwelling, This is inviting that person into your daily stuff, your daily life, the mundane daily activities. This is eating together. This is playing together. This is working together. This is inviting them in to your life. And then there's a sending forth. There's a a launching back out. Okay, so this is hospitality is for help on the way, not just to stay, right? It's, 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 this is not a permanent necessarily. In some situations, you might have permanent hospitality. Like I, I think of um, 
foster care or adoption would be a, a permanent act of hospitality to stranger, like a long-term deal. But for the most part, this is like not a long-term solution. This is a temporary help to send someone on their way. And so there's boundaries to this as well, right? There's, there's a, an entrance beyond, into the boundary of your life, and then there's a sending out, right? Okay, go on. Your, your needs have been met. Go in peace. So these are the four movements of, of welcome um, in a biblical context. Now, there has to be, right, there has to be some adjustment for our context, right? And I will tell you this. When I tell you that story um, that we about last night, there's been other examples, uh, other instances where we've seen someone, uh, when we first moved here, I think I've told you the story, there was a man an older man who um, has some physical challenges and he was evicted from his apartment and he ended up staying the night on the couch. Uh, it was his whole deal, this whole thing, but um, he was on the couch and he slept outside and Joanna and I prayed, like, should we invite this man in or what? I don't know. And we didn't have peace at that moment to invite him in. So what we did is we went out to him, gave him a blanket, gave him bottles of water, gave him some granola bars and... Uh, Watched him from our window, right? Just, you know, watched over him. So in that moment, so this, this is about hearing the voice of God. This is about discernment. Um, but like I've said before, comfort and safety should not be our rubric for making decisions, right? The Holy Spirit and, and the way of Jesus is our rubric. And that's a hard one because I think in our culture, comfort and safety becomes the highest value and the highest, uh, um, you know, that's, the, that's the, the first rung of defense. But I don't think that's the criteria that Scripture lays forth, that Jesus lived out, um, or that any of his followers uh, lived. So I want to get practical here. Over the next uh, three or four weeks, we're going to be fleshing out. This has kind of been our motto, our 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 way of living. We want to seek the peace and flourishing of the international district and a shared gospel life. It's what we're about. But we want to call ourselves to living a way of life that is one of open doors and open tables and open hands. Essentially, what this means is a life of hospitality, a life of welcome, a life of creating safe space for people that are otherwise not often extended such space. And it's welcome, it's open doors and open tables and open hands to one another. We need to spend time together as a family. So let's go back to the Hebrews 12. It's with God, right? We are oriented towards God. We're oriented towards ourselves. It's in relationship. We need to be in relationship with one another. We need to have each other in our homes. We need to host one another. We need to serve one another. We need to eat with one another. But this also extends to the to those outside of our comfort zone, maybe. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this and what it means to be a people of open doors, open tables, open hands. Let me see, what, corporately, as a, as a body, what this looks like, what it has looked like, is that we have, we would say, open doors. Well, it's closed right now. But uh, this space is open to anyone and everyone, no matter what. All right? And so anyone is welcome here. And we have our open table 
once a month open table outdoor meal. Anyone is invited to that. Anyone and everyone is invited to that. And we, I hope you notice, we don't say line up to get food. We say come and eat with us at the table. And there's a difference. We're not dishing out food. We're sharing life. We're saying, hey, let's, let's be in relationship with one another. Let's sit and have a meal together. And so our hosp- that's kind of what it would look like. Our open hands, our service will, will be um, in all the multiple ways that we, we will do that and we have done that, you know, going out and um, passing out goodie bags or um, being, a, uh, this is corporately again, um, we're looking at apartment buildings to provide safe and affordable housing for neighbors that need it and we want to create a, a system that provides uh, a way for them to build equity and, and to build build so they can own their own home. And so these are kind of, that would be open hands, one way open hands would look like as well. And so that's corporately what it looks like. But what I'm talking about here now is individually um, as family units and as missional communities, what are we, uh, this is what we're challenging uh, ourselves in, to be people of hospitality, Open doors, open tables, open hands. So this is, we're going to flesh this out, but here, here it is. Over the next six months or, or, or so, we want to call one another to open your door and welcome, open your table to eat, and open your hands to serve someone outside your household each week or month, okay? So there's some, there's some, I want to, listen, we are all at different places in our journey with the Lord, all right? And so, um, and some of us are more introverted. Some of us are more extroverted. Some of us are more like, yeah, let's do this. I could, have, I could do this eight, eight times a week. Others would be like, I'm never doing this. So the, the call is to be stretched. I want to invite you to be stretched, not comfortable, all right? So this might be a, a monthly ribbon, ribbon, rhythm that you start to live into. Say, hey, I want to open my door and welcome. To someone maybe I don't know, to someone I don't know well, or to someone I do that I need to get to know better. Someone in the church, someone outside of the church, whatever it may be, will let the Holy Spirit lead and give you opportunity in that area. But we're asking Based to calibrate for your for your comfort level, comfort level with a little stretch, right? To open your table is so important to eat together, and we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. What does eating together, even biblically, like it's so huge. But to eat together, I'm asking, let's open our tables to eat with someone, not our family, once a week or once a month. And let's open our hands in service to someone or to an organization in our, in our neighborhood, some, some way to serve. All right, so that's where we're headed with all of this. And so I want you to pray through this, all right? Welcome, eat, and serve. Open doors, open tables, open hands. Wherever you live, God has surrounded you with people who need a safe space. There was a woman uh, that I heard went to hear speak, she was from Denver, um, and she is a single woman in her uh, early 60s. She was divorced about 20 years ago, and she said 
that no one from her church, she wasn't bitter, she just, this is the fact, she had not been invited to anyone's home from the church in 20 years since she had been married. I don't think that's an abnormal story. Um, and so I, I want us to move beyond, as Martin Luther King says, the status quo. And I want us to start stretching beyond because of our amazing and awesome God who extends himself in welcome. I believe if we've been welcomed by God, we can be transformed into a welcoming people who opens our doors and our tables and our hands. So what you do, um, pray through that. And I would say that even weekly, it becomes, as you as this becomes your man- mentality, um, opportunities present themselves all the time. So Joanna and I would say we would have probably, this happens more each week than just once for us because it's just, the rhythm that we're in, and it's beautiful. And we're going to talk about boundaries. We're going to talk about rhythms of rest and work, and it all comes together. But let me leave you with that. And please, if you have questions, I'm going, about to leave, but you can call me. Juliet has a recital, dance recital, and I almost forgot about it. That's not good. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you are good that you are welcoming even at great cost to yourself. Lord, you spread your arms out on the cross and you brought us in. Lord, and you welcomed us in no matter what. Lord, we need discernment. We need wisdom. We need courage. We need, we need to hear your voice. And so we ask that you would, would, would um, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to eat together. Uh, and so, what this is, is an opportunity as well to prepare for the Lord's Supper, all right? We prepare for the Lord's Supper. Part of what we do as we gather Lord's Supper, we're reminded of our unity. We're reminded that we are um, made one by the blood of Christ. And so what we are going to do, you've got opportunity to make things right with other people, either here or elsewhere or with God. So we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Take time to confess if you haven't confessed, if there's unconfessed sin in your life. Take time to make things right with each other if there's stuff that's going on between each other. Take time to make that phone call with your mom or dad or friend or aunt that you maybe got something going on with. Make things right and be ready to come to the table together. All right. Let's eat. Did he? Did something just happen?